0: You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, everyone. This week, I'm going back to the vault and sharing another TARP replay. I'll be back with new episodes starting on January 4th. But in the meantime, I've been sharing some of my favorite past conversations on the podcast. And this week, I'm resharing a conversation with REM's Mike Mills that I first shared back in October of 2022. So let me get this one all set up for you. In 1980... R.E.M. played their first show at an abandoned church in Athens, Georgia. And over the next three-plus decades, the band released 15 albums, toured the world, and won multiple Grammy Awards. In 2007, R.E.M. was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is widely considered one of the most successful and iconic bands of all time. And earlier this year, in March of 2023, R.E.M.'s song Losing My Religion crossed the one billion streams mark on Spotify a true testament to the band's staying power and relevance to people everywhere around the globe. In our conversation, Mike and I explored his extraordinary career, and he shared a behind-the-scenes look at many of the secrets behind R.E.M.'s unprecedented success. The band's success isn't the result of a single big break, but instead the product of lots of different factors and a gradual incremental progress over the course of many, many years. Mike and I explored REM's creative process, the key principles the band used to drive successful teamwork, we looked at the band's extraordinary work ethic, and so much more. Due to Mike's busy schedule, we recorded our conversation over the phone. The audio quality is a little bit different than other episodes of Everybody Pulls the Tarp, but this episode is still jam-packed with ideas, wisdom, and lessons from Mike that you don't want to miss. I think about this conversation a lot, and I constantly find myself applying the ideas that Mike shared to my own life, personally and professionally. I hope you take away as much from it as I have, whether it's your first time listening or you're listening to this conversation again. So let's pull the tarp and get straight to this tarp replay, my conversation from October 2022 with REM's Mike Mills. Mike, I've heard you say that R.E.M. success wasn't the result of any real big break, you know, air quotes about the big break. It was really the result of a lot of gradual, incremental success. I'm curious, when you think about the success that, that you all had, what were some of the contributing factors that enabled you to have that gradual success over time? Well, there, I've always said, uh, you know, there are three things that it takes to be successful. I think in the music world is the
1: talent, hard work, and luck. And we certainly had our share, I think, of all of all of that. You know, we, we were very committed to what we were doing, and we just happened to all be good at it. And then we got some lucky breaks. You, you don't succeed without them. You know, uh, Bill and I meeting Ian Copeland back in Macon, Georgia, and Buck Williams when, uh, when Bill worked in the Paragon Booking Agency. Meeting those two guys was, was a huge game-changer for us. We didn't know it at the time. <laughs> and... uh you know, and then later meeting Burtis Downs, who became our advisor, and that was another huge break for us. So it's it just, you know, some people say you make your own luck, and that may be true, but but really, we, we just met really good people who uh, who really helped us along the way.
0: How did you stay focused, in particular in those early days, through the ups and downs? I would imagine there were quite a bit of moments where you felt like, hey, we got the hang of this. And then there's a fair amount of moments where you start to question, do we do we know what we're doing? Are we going to make it? How did you balance the ups and the downs?
1: The key to that was realizing at some point fairly early on that this was probably our life's work, that this was the best thing we were ever going to be a part of. So at that point, you know, certainly from my point of view, the commitment became everything. You did whatever you had to do to keep the thing working. You would supplement your ego. You played through the pain. You played through the happiness. Whatever pitfalls you may encounter, you just try to remember that the band is, is the most important thing. And, you know, all this other stuff will fall by the wayside. Once you have that commitment and that, and that serious, you know, arrow pointing north all the time, kind of accomplish that really well.
0: Now I'm curious when when you think about again all of that, it, it requires a lot of persistence and it requires a lot of you know driving through barriers and different hurdles. One of the questions I get from people all the time is, you know, how do you know when something's worth sticking with and when it's worth kind of pivoting? And I'm curious when you think about the creative process, when you think about the history of REM, how did you navigate that? How did you know when it was when something was worth continuing and persisting through versus, you know, when you needed to pivot and change course? Well, it was not really an issue for us because there was nothing else any
1: of us were really good at. And so We all knew that, that, you know, this band was our thing, you know, it was what we love to do and it's what we did well. But the other thing that we've always said, Arnie, uh, we, we may not have known what we wanted to do, but we knew what we didn't want to do. So whenever, you know, major decisions came up, it was usually pretty obvious that one of them was the wrong. It, it, it didn't comport with our ethics, with our, you know, our feeling about what the right thing was to do, not just for us, but just in general. And, uh, you know, that that viewpoint really helped us make a lot of those decisions. And like I said, once you make up your mind that this is the thing you want to
0: do, everything else works within the confines. How did you, you all go about kind of identifying those, core principles those things that you know, weren't going to be negotiable weren't going to be things that you deviated from in, in terms of principles
1: yes there wasn't a whole lot that we said in the very beginning as far as boundaries although we were pretty clear that for the most part we didn't want to open for other bands that was certainly a, a very important thing for us although we we made exceptions to that in, in certain specific cases you know for example we did not Mind-opening for the English Beat or the Gang of Four because they were incredible bands and really fun to watch every night. And learned a lot from playing with them. Or uh, you know, opening for them made us a better band. But, but a lot of those things, you know, you, you just encounter them as you go along. You know, uh, another early principle was you know Peter's decision or Peter's uh, Peter's insistence that we put the songwriting four ways. You know, I was not necessarily in agreement with that, not because of the money, but because I wanted the credit if I wrote the song. And he said, well, I certainly understand that. He But the one thing that breaks the band up faster than anything else is, is one or two guys getting all the money. And he said, if we want to make this thing work, we need to share it equally. And he was absolutely right about that. And the other good part about that was that it worked out that way. We all did write the song, or so we all did contribute to the song. So it was really, you know, it turned out to be a great decision, both in, in, in hindsight and foresight.
0: I mean there's no question that you guys had one of the most successful collaborations in anything over a, a 31 or so year year period. I'm curious, I mean, you know, you you have that early discussion around dividing roles and responsibilities and some of those guiding principles. How did you stay in sync or I should say, you know, did you stay in sync creatively, you know, throughout the whole thing and and how did you get on the the same sheet of music no pun intended? When maybe there were instances where you weren't fully in sync as a band,
1: it's uh, you know it's, it's really a miracle that any band last thirty five years. Right? It's uh, you know being married to one person is hard not being married to three others is, is unimaginable. So we were very very fortunate that we were all, you know, we all started on the same page, and a lot of uh, a lot of issues that could cause trouble for the band. You know, we were all on the same. More or less on the same place musically in the sense of we were willing and able to try anything. And we knew what sounded bad, you know, for the most part. Everyone was willing to compromise. We were all pretty much on the same page politically. You know, we were all very willing to get out there and work our asses on. Those are the things that give you the foundation you need. And then as problems and disagreements come up, which they always do, you have everyone has to be willing to compromise. And if you're not, then that's where you run into
0: no problem. Mike, one of the things I, I'm always curious to ask uh, high performers is if they focus on the outputs, the inputs, or both, like in other words, did you just focus on waking up every single day and writing music or focus on your, your performances? Or did you really think about you know, what the, the long range kind of output and the, the goals uh, were? Or were there not goals? It was just, let's get up every day and, and try to make things happen.
1: We were not a goal-oriented band. That always—I mean, I know that some musicians are. They have their whole career charted out. Good for them, but that's not the way I would have wanted to do this, and that's not the way R.E.M. did it. We were trying to have fun. I mean, let's let's really break it down. We wanted to do the one thing we were good at, which was play music and write songs and enjoy ourselves while we did it. You know, it wasn't. It, it took a while before we realized that we could actually make a career out of it. And that's when we had to start making some of those hard decisions about, you know, who gets writing credit. You know, we we were very fortunate. We had some good advisors that helped us set us up as a corporation. You know, we were also, not to sound arrogant, but we were all pretty smart guys. We all, you know, we all recognized what the pitfalls would be and what the smart move was. You know, basically, so what you wanted to do was set up yourself in the best position to succeed, which is, you know, take good advice, surround yourself with good people do the necessary business things as tasteful as they may have been. Nobody, you know, nobody likes to think about being a corporation, but you have to set yourself up to protect your ability to continue to make music. And that was what we were fortunate to be able to do. We were smart enough to listen to good advice and fortunate enough to be able to find the people to give us that advice. How
0: did you balance, you know, like when, when you felt like you had creative momentum and positive momentum as a band and as performers versus, you know, needing to take breaks creatively to give yourself, you know, whether it was personal space or, or creative space, how did you reconcile all that?
1: Well, we didn't really take any breaks for, for the first 10 years, basically. Uh, We made records and toured and enjoyed it. You know, part of the thrill of of being in this band was writing songs. Peter and I decided early on that, that, that that was one of our, you know, without good songs, you got nothing. And so we worked really, really hard. That's to Peter and I, mean, that's Bill and Michael, certainly, but just Peter and I were the ones sitting around with who to get the cars, guitars all the time, trying to come up with ideas. And, you know, once you, you? we were so focused on that and enjoyed it so much that, you know, the, it wasn't really a hamster wheel or a, or a merry-go-round. We just enjoyed the process. I mean, yeah, sure, you get tired of it, you get worn out. There are times you can go a little bit crazy or maybe even a lot crazy, but we just enjoyed what we did so much that we didn't really focus on taking a break. until you know, after about 10 years of doing it, eight
0: years of doing it. I'm curious when you, when you think back, you know, do you think that spending such a large portion of your time in Athens, as opposed to big, maybe traditional media centers, like New York, Los Angeles, do you think that enabled you to, to stay focused, to stay grounded? Did, did it play a, a role in your success?
1: There is absolutely no question that that was uh another one of the better decisions that we made. Athens was a great town. We all loved living here. Uh, It was really important to be able to come off the road and be in a comfortable space, you know, that that doesn't have all the, mm, the, let's say that some of the temptations were here, but the insanity of living in a big city like New York or Los Angeles, when you've just come off the road or out of the studio or, or whatever your situation was, that could drive you crazy because you get no escape, you get no relief. But to come back to apps, a relatively quiet, sleepy town, certainly at that, at that point in time, was, uh, was essential for us. To be able to come home and relax and, and be away from the music business, and be away from the, the constant uh,
0: input that you get in big cities was essential for us. Mike, I'm curious. In in the 2011 announcement that the band made that it was calling it quits, you, you said that... You all walk away with a great sense of gratitude, of finality, and astonishment at all we have accomplished. I'm curious, after all these years, are you still astonished?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, when you think about it with the perspective of time and experience, and especially the sense of how new bands last more than an hour, much less one record, much less 35 years, it is a truly astonishing that we were able to pull that off, and it's a, you know, it's a, a testament to our commitment to to the band itself. You know, that's that's what it took. It's like we just realized the band of our we would never do anything more important than that. The you know, children's side, but uh, it's just that commitment to it is what made it happen. And it really is just amazing to be that
0: successful and make that many people happy. And uh, you know, it's it's a nice feeling. When people look at your career, do you think people look at it and say, "Well, that must have been easy"? You know, that that looks like a heck of a, a heck of a ride. Um, does that bother you at all when when people just assume things were just super easy and and glamorous? When we know there's a ton of gritty, unglamorous things that go on behind the scenes.
1: Well, I, I mean, I <laughs> I don't really anyone that thinks it was easy is someone whose opinion I don't care. I think anyone who puts any thought into it at all really understands that there's, there's nothing easy about it. But one of my favorite things was, you know, my friends would be, oh, you just go on the road and have a good time play and have fun every night. All right, come on out with us. And they'd last about three days. And <laughs> we got to go home. We're wiped we're out. Right I said, yeah, good, I got to take one So it was, always a, it was always kind of an eye-opener for them to, to see just what really went into to
0: touring. But, you know, of course, studio is a whole other world. Mike, b- before I let you go, I mean, you've shared a lot of your success secrets, both personally and some of the success secrets you, you ascribe to REM success. When, when you boil it down and you think about it all, if you had to put it into one or two words, what do you think, you know, the, the one or two you know, most significant you know, factors in your personal and, and in REM success has been?
1: I've always said the same thing. It takes hard work, talent, and a lot of luck. You know, there are a lot of really great bands that worked their asses off and never made it just because they never got the break. You know, there, there are a lot of bands that got a little bit of a break and had some minor success, but they didn't really have the talent. To, and they didn't We were very lucky that we had four guys that were all really, really talented and all willing to make the sacrifices that it took to make this same work. That's, that's a lot of the luck aspect as well, is that we all got to meet each other and perform this band.
0: I'm a huge believer... Like you said, Mike, that it, it takes a combination of, of talent and luck, and but you create more luck when you put in the work and you put in the reps and you're willing to do everything it takes to uh, put yourself in a position to succeed. Mike, I, I've enjoyed our chat here very much. I appreciate you taking some time. There's no question that you and REM are tarp pullers. You've gone above and beyond to do all the little things that create big success. So thank you most importantly for taking some time out of your, your busy schedule to, to chat with me, Mike, I've enjoyed this very much.
1: Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be thought of as a dark focus.
0: Well, you're always part of the family. Now, Mike, it's great to have you.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Take care of yourself.
0: All right. Take care. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app. So you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me, and want a world full of tarp pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew H. Moses. That's Andrew H. Moses. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today's a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.